Welcome in, everyone, to episode 41 of Swimming Upstream, as the Miami Marlins themselves are very much swimming against the current here in the second half of 2022 in the MLB season. After a mostly inactive trade deadline, Miami finds themselves in an interesting spot, one which we ourselves are having trouble riddling out. So joining us today to hopefully provide some clarity on that, as well as a variety of other topics from Sports Grid, as well as a contribute contributor to the Miami Herald, is Marlins Insider, Mr. Craig Mish. Craig, thank you so much, man, for coming on. I really appreciate your time. What's going on? How's your family? How's everything going? Everything is great, Alex. It's great to be with you. It's been a while, probably about a year since yeah. I've I've come on your podcast. But yes, sir. yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, sort of that crawl to the end of the season, it feels like here, where on, on especially on the big league side where we got uh, the rest of August, September, and then a little bit of October to just kind of you know, honestly, in my opinion, just sort of get through it. It's kind of my feeling on it at the moment. Yes, sir. Definitely. So Danny DeVito can't be with us today. He's on the COVID IL, but his input will definitely be uh, felt here in this uh, brief interview as we go through it. But first of all, man, um, fresh off of your appearance on The Captain on ESPN. So um, we heard your comments about, you know, Jeter coming in after the Laurier era and everything else coming in as a new owner, all that stuff. We heard what you had to say, but just tell us about the experience, man, being on the show. Um, how was it? Um, how did everything go for you? I know you told us it was like you did like two hours. They only aired like probably a little bit of what you had to say. But um, everything that you said was was awesome. I know Marlins fans loved it. So um, just tell us about the experience, man. How was it? Yeah. What, what's interesting now is 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 like just before we came on, somebody just watched it, you know, and that that's like what's happening is is people are like staggering here watching it like i'm like every day somebody that i haven't heard from is like oh my gosh like you were in that like somebody i haven't talked to in a while yeah and and that that listed that's the cool part because i'm reconnecting with with people and 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 i and i think that for me that's the biggest part of this for me personally maybe on the side of like being part of something bigger is that this lives forever you know it lives on espn plus and I mean, I mean, look, the last dance came out at a time, Alex, when we were all at home and we had nothing to watch and we were desperate for sports. And yeah. a lot of people have attributed the sports card boom to that, too. So a little bit of a different scenario than this. There's been a lot of documentaries out there. I wasn't really quite sure what to expect, how the final product would come out. But you mentioned two hours. I was interviewed for over four hours, actually. Jeez. In <laughs> yeah, yeah. In uh, in, in Coral Gables. And uh, I haven't talked about it yet, so because I, I think I signed something initially that I wasn't I wasn't supposed to, I think. But yeah, so I I got I, I was told that that I was going to be interviewed for it. And then one day, the director, Randy Wilkins, uh, told me that, that they were coming down to South Florida. And if I'm if I'm going to be interviewed, they will contact me at that time. I mean, he was cool about it, but like, you just don't know, like, if it's going to happen or not. So the the producer of the captain not not randy but one of his producers reached out to me and said hey i'm with the captain we would like to interview you for the espn special and here's the date and here's the time you know and i'm like i'll be there <laughs> like, it didn't matter when it was gonna be so i so I, I i went i went down there and it was a huge it was a really big production it felt really big i was a little nervous like i didn't really know what to expect who was gonna be there and Alex, we did four hours of of talk on Derek Jeter with the Marlins and the Marlins past, present, future. We literally covered 
it all. And they used, honestly, I was thrilled they used as much as they did of me. I didn't even think it was going to be that much. I thought it would be like 30 seconds, but it turned out to be like more than a couple minutes. I was shocked. And yes, of course, they asked me like about the trades and the signings and Yelich and Ozuna and say like, we went through everything in that, in that interview. And, you know, some things I was surprised they didn't use. And what am I going to say, Alex? You know, they asked me to, I was there for a long time. I remember going there and seeing like the roll call as to who they were interviewing that day. And it was Jorge Posada and me. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is definitely, this is definitely cool. So in the, in the end, I, I don't know what the final, uh, you know, the editing and how that all worked out, but th- there had to be, I, I think, and listen, I may be crazy, but there, you know, I didn't get to know Derek on a, on a close friendship level. I would never say that, but I would guess there had to be an element of Derek Jeter putting a stamp of approval on me being in his documentary. So in the end, it tells me that I must be doing something right here all these years, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, with my coverage of the Marlins, but it was, it was a really very cool experience to be part of something like that, Alex, for sure. No, it's cool to see you. I mean, Jamie, as you know, my girlfriend is a Mar- is a excuse me Yankees fan. She's a Marlins fan part time, but you know, she's a Yankees fan. We watched the whole thing together, and then you came on the last episode, and she's like, "Hey, it's Craig." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> so it was fun. We yeah. had my family over. We my my wife really wanted to make like a huge deal of it. I'm like, listen, yeah. I'm only in this for like 30 seconds. Yeah. And and even going into the final day, I was I was pretty sure I was in it. But from the people that I spoke to that had seen an advance on it or at least knew something about it, were like, yeah, like, I think you're in it. Like you're in a show like no one really knew for sure. And yeah. then I just kept going on and on and yeah, on. Yeah. I was like, whoa, like this yeah. is way more than I thought. You know what? The, I'll tell you the coolest part about the whole thing. Then we can move on to the Marlins because nobody cares about this except me. No, no, we do. We do. But, <laughs> but, but, but the coolest part of it for those people who haven't seen it is, is after every episode is over in the credits, they show the faces of the people who were interviewed. Yep in the piece and the first one they showed was me after it was over i was like wow like it was it was, again it was it was a, it was a very cool experience I, I i honestly with the way that things ended so poorly with uh with derek and bruce sherman and the organization like i i wish i wish i could really embrace this so much more but you know the dynamic is so difficult right now with the past and the present and the future so it's just where we're at yeah, I was glad to see you on there. It was cool. Definitely deserved, as we all said. So awesome, man. I'm glad you had that experience. It's definitely really cool. So um, break into it really quick on this on this team and where they're at and what they're doing. Um, you know, I'm just going to break into it at, like this. You know, it's been a, a tumultuous second half. It was a tumultuous first half. The second half has been, from my opinion, like just, like just, just up and down overall. Like they've done some up and down. Up. Where's the up? They haven't had any uh, up they've, the they've done some ups that I have. Second up. half, there's been no up. Uh, they, they, at least Sandy they Alcantara. Them <laughs> they've called them some kids, and Sandy is Sandy, and yes, they've called us some kids. But we'll get we'll get to it in a second. But man, the overall message this offseason that we heard that I will always go back to, and Bruce, we, we were both there together. We made faces at each other when they said it. I made a face to you. I'm like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> so we were there together. We heard them say they want to win right now. Um. That hasn't happened this year, unfortunately, for Miami. Um, but my first question for you out of the gate, 
with how this season has gone so far and the inactivity and the trade deadline and everything that they've done, you know, and what they have to do with contracts with Avi and Augie still being owed money and everything else. And Solaire, like, do you really believe right now today in your own opinion, this can be just your opinion, not the organization's opinion. I mean, I'll tell, I'll how close are they? How, how close is it? Uh, I mean, it's, it's not as close as they would, that they would have liked to believe. I think that that's fair. I don't think they were delusional in thinking they were going to win 93 games this year. Like, I, I don't think that they thought that, but they definitely thought they had a chance to be above 500 and fighting for the postseason. There isn't anybody that I spoke to before the season that told me in the organization that from a cynical point of view, like I didn't get a nudge, nudge. Hey, Craig, listen, I mean, there's some, they think we're going to win 80 something. We are not. No one. They universally believed that they were going to, I, I remember being, and I, and I bring this up in conversations sometimes with, with different people in the organization where I remember it was a, one of the few times I did not have my son with me in spring training. I was actually there like working, which was, you know, for me these days is <laughs> different. I got to get my son a credential. Maybe the only way I can do this in the future. <laughs> Definitely. But I, I remember being on the field and and talking to the different people in the organization and them being so steadfast on we're going to be above the projections. We're going to, you know, they're, they're not, you know, I'm telling you now you'll see they're We're going to be a button. I'm like, I don't know. There's a reason why the projections are the projections. And what was funny is I remember those conversations too. And what I was, my, my claim was at the time, it's not that I was smarter than them or anything else, but I was, I, I almost wanted to say, but I didn't, but I was like, if you're so sure that you're going to win more than the 77 games that they're projected you to win. You understand that you could go bet that for $500,000 and retire. You know, there's a, there's a reason why Las Vegas makes that number. And, and it's not because they're giving money away. They're building another hotel on you losing, you know, that, that, that's why there's a number out there. And so while fan graphs has numbers and, and all these projection systems have numbers. In the end, to me, I always go by this. It's like the Mar what was the Marlins betting number before the season? And it was like 77, somewhere along those lines, 78. I thought that's probably where they I felt like the number was right. In fact, for the first time in a few years, Alex, I didn't predict any number. I was like, this really seems like a fair number. I think they're gonna be like 78 and and uh and yeah. 84, 85, right? Yeah. Somewhere along those lines, 76. I don't know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And and so they're massively disappointed, Alex. But on top of the disappointment is just the idea of of the organization in free agency, uh, at least for this season, made some horrifically bad choices. And, and that is sort of crushing because the the ownership did hand 50 plus million over to one player and 36 over to another and I know that that's not satisfactory to some people and, and now everybody wants them to add, but what are the odds that both of those players are like almost zeros for the season? Like that's really hard to do is completely whiff on that. And I understand that one player was hurt and Garcia now is hurt too, meaning Solaire, but, but let's be honest. Like if Solaire was a hundred percent healthy, I, I don't know. I mean, would, would he have 20 home runs right now? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I could probably say that. But these they they did not they did not choose uh, wisely uh, with these players that may change next year, Alex. 
And so that to me is the overwhelming crushing part because now what are we doing, Alex? Everybody's back out there. Oh, they got to spend more money. Oh, they got to spend more money. Not realizing that they did. They spent more money than the Reds and the A's and the Pirates and these middling teams at the bottom. They they didn't they weren't at the top, but they but they did spend some and they completely whiffed. Yeah. So that so now what do you do? Do you trust them to go back out there again? Are they going to be able to go back out there and spend that money again? And and that that's the hardest part for me is is the free agency moves since this new regime has taken over outside of maybe Aguilar for a couple of years when you think about it because Aguilar did work out they picked them up for like yeah. nothing yep um they they haven't hit they haven't hit on anyone I mean Duval Duval uh, was Duval free agent or trade I forget he was a free agent Duval, right so yeah, that was a good yeah. that was a good one but in general a lot of whiffs decent trades free agency has not been good. Yeah, one hundred percent agreed. I mean, and they waited. They did. They waited on on both of these guys. They waited on Solaire. They waited on Aggie. They, they, or I'm sorry, Avi. They, they really, they waited and they waited to the last second and they did what they could do and and neither one has worked out. So, I mean, they're where they're at for a reason. Uh, they didn't sign a closer. I will always go back to that. That in that same meeting that we were at together, they were like, "We got to address outfield first, and then we'll go to a closer and look how many games they've lost late because of the bullpen." So. It is what I'm, it is. I'm not sure that it would have been much different, but the but the answer that I'm sick of hearing is the answer that maybe they would give you. And I'm I'm tired of hearing it because the answer that they would give you, Alex, is well, who did you want us to sign? That right. would have worked out. And I would say, Family. well, obviously Melanson or Ian Kennedy, and neither of them have been very good. But that, but why is why is that somebody like that? You should be able to fix those players then, and right. you should be able to identify those players. Why is it always passing the buck as to another team? Why is it about well, our free agents didn't work out, but maybe if you look around the league, those didn't too. That, I mean, to me, that's not the answer. Fix your own guys. Get your own guys good. Yeah. So, you know that that's that's what I'm disappointed in, and and I and I and I genuinely hope as we move forward here that there's more understanding. Hey, we got to fix what's in our own house and stop looking around the, the league and seeing what they did wrong. And they did right. right. Just worry about yourself, get right. yourself right. And the yeah. rest will take care of itself. And I think that was evidence in your, um your conversation that you were part of with Kim, where she was like, well, you look around the league and not every free agent has worked. You can't compare yourself to anybody else. You gotta, you gotta do your own thing. Right. Like you just said. So, and she, and listen, she, Kim is a hundred percent correct. Right. Look sure. around the league at a lot of the free agents that were signed. There are struggles. Mm -hmm. But what? But why isn't it that the Marlins rose above? Right. Like, was that just an impossibility that the Marlins right. just couldn't have got it right and everybody right. else got it wrong? Like, why couldn't that be? Hundred <laughs> percent. Like, I, I don't. I don't understand that that line of thinking. So, um. You know, look, to Kim's credit, she's made a lot of trades. Uh, you know, looks like a lot of them have at least been on the positive side of it. But it does feel like we're constantly kicking the can. Trade deadline to winner. Trade deadline to winner. Trade deadline to winner. And and there's only so much that fans can take of that. And they're still in that spot. They're just like this middling team that's like not a seller, not a buyer at the deadline. They're, they're just like right in the middle. And it's it's like, where do you go? And I'll lead to this question again, like as my last one on like, you know, the executive level as a whole. I mean, I don't know how much Bruce Sherman is involved. I would say very little, uh, but there's other investors that are involved here. I mean, Derek Jeter was one, but there's others. So, you know, they're drawing like barely 11,000 people a game, you know, and paid attendance. So how, how much do you think in your mind? And this again, is an opinion question, not maybe not something necessarily that, you know, but 
like how much does that wear on these people that bought into this ownership group that like, Hey, this team is now what two years in and they've done pretty much nothing. I mean, they're still drawing flies and the team can't win. And like, where is that at? If you're an investor yourself, where are you at? Well, you know, Jeter's percentage was very small in right. terms of what he put in. So I, yeah. I think it's negligible. It was more of him being the CEO of the team. I think mm -hmm. that was really the key. He was the decision maker of the team. Right. But but Alex, it's it's pretty prestigious to own a major league baseball team. Yeah. And and the owners are are very affluent. And and I don't know. Look, the attendance is a problem for sure. There's no question. But you, you have to remember what Bruce Sherman said initially going back a few years ago. He's a big Marlins fan. He's a big mm -hmm. baseball fan. Mm -hmm. So in the end, of course, he wants more people in the stands for sure. And he, and he wants all of those things. But, but I believe in my heart, I do, that he wants to win. He really is in this to win. So that is above all. Uh, as far as like frustration level with other owners, I, I have not heard any of that. If that is that, that could very well be true, but I have not heard that. Uh, the only frustration level that obviously was there was was obviously with Derek Jeter because he's no longer the CEO of the team. I mean, that's very clear. And I guess some to some degree, Gary Denbo, because Kim inevitably made that decision too to uh, to terminate his contract early or whatever it was. But I I don't know. I, I think the I think the ball just keeps rolling here, Alex. I I don't think that that the, the team is like in dire straits or anything like that. Every, every like seems like every week somebody tells me, Hey, I heard they're selling the team and I have to say, no, they are not. Yeah. But they're frustrated with losing for sure. But, but how far are they willing to go to correct that? I guess that's going to be the question that we're going to find out. Yeah. Gotcha. And in line with that, uh, we'll get to some on the team front here. That's really all I really had on like the executive front. Um, but yeah, just, just going, going forward here on, on, on the team front. I mean, just, the way that it's gone with, with roster construction. And you know, this has been a pain point for me. I voice it to you guys all the time on other spaces, you know, not here. Um, but man, I mean, you said yourself uh, when you, when you were interviewing with, with Eli and fish stripes and those guys that they don't believe in Charles LeBlanc and they call him up and you know, he's done pretty well. And then you have guys like who Oscar Brazuban that are getting called up no knock on him, but you know, then you have Andrew Nardi and, you know, then they have AJ Ladwig that gets called up before Andrew Nardi. And we had that conversation too. So like all these rule five eligible players that you're risking losing for literally nothing. Nardi was one of them, you know, it's, it's, and there's many others, Simpson and, 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 you know, Lindgren and so many others that I could go into, but like just the conversation with Kim and roster construction, it's been a pain point, honestly. And I, I that's all I can say about it, but I just want to know from you, if you have any insight into this, like where are they at in terms of calling up younger players? They did do it with Bladé and Burdick, thankfully, here lately. Lewin took a long time. He's now starting a couple games in a row, which is good. But like, why is it this, you know, senior player versus younger player and the younger player is taking a backseat to that? It, it, at least it seems so, in my opinion, but I don't know where you're at on that. Well, I mean, Kim has her hands full. She's doing everything basically right now she obviously has capable people that are working with her and and for her but inevitably does it seem like roster construction is uh, a daily strength of hers i mean it's hard for me to say that 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 is the case but remember she has to alex lean on the people that are working with slash for her for opinions on the players who were there mm -hmm. and so I feel like with somebody like yourself, there's a pocket of of people who do what you do for every team. And I think that 
you know, you go around the league and, and everyone feels that this guy should be up and that guy should be up and this guy. And it makes for fun conversation. And we talk about it on social media and it creates interest. But if you don't believe in the organization and you don't believe in their scouting eye and you don't believe in their development, then you can just simply pound every move that they make. I mean, right. that's basically what you could do if you choose to do it. For me, the difference is, I guess, is that they have the experience in the background and I'm guessing. Like, like you, you obviously have more of an eye for it. You're watching these guys every day. You have more relationships with, with these guys at the minor league level. And I understand that. But for me, it's a little bit of like, I just take it at face value. So I guess the difference is I have the ability to ask the questions uh, publicly and privately. And I sort of get the answers on who, you know, the organization likes and doesn't. Mm -hmm. Going back to Charles LeBlanc, like, it's not that they don't like him. They took him in the minor league rule five. It's just they like people better than him and he did come up and he hit what's gone on recently well i mean maybe you know maybe this is the end of that run we we don't know the answer but for me personally to question that aspect of it it's fun for you guys to do it's not something that i really do because it, it when you're the expert in a field maybe people are laughing at this and they're saying experts haha but they are the experts in the field sure. and i am not definitely so i i can't say to them last year Bryson Brigman, he's amazing. Defense, are you kidding me? He plays great defense. He can hit. Why is he not up? Why is he not up? Why is he not up? I have to just say, hey, like, why is he not up? Well, because, you know, we think he's okay. But, yeah. you know, the, the people on Twitter think he's a lot better, you know, right. than we do. Right. Okay, fine. <laughs> right. You know, that that yeah. that's the answer. Yeah. And, and and now we're going down this road with Charles LeBlanc. So from those, from those scenarios, uh, from those scenarios, Alex, you know, I, I don't question it, but when things happen like out of the blue, like that guy Ladwig comes up, yeah, like over, like, like, okay, now that's a trigger. You have to start asking questions. Why did that happen? There had to be something missed here. There are better players than that guy coming up, yeah. And then they literally called up Nardi like two days later, so right. you could kind of see how, how there was some, something happened when that guy came up, Ladwig, that just didn't make a lot of sense and still doesn't right now. So your frustration level on things like that, sure, because it's more of like the process to me than the actual player. When it comes to the player, I'm not a scout. I can't question it. They right. have the opinion. The process, sure. Why is Parker Bug? Why did this guy come up to spend one day in the big leagues in a uniform and never get in a game and his whole family comes in town and then they got to leave? That stinks. That's bad. Could they have avoided it? I don't know. Maybe not. It happens in baseball. But process, I think, is easier for me to question than the actual players because I just can't pretend that I know more than them. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, no. And I'm I'm the same way. Like, they, these people are know these players inside and out. I, I know what I know just from watching on TV and watching and hearing from people that I hear from, including yourself. So I'm not one to say, hey, I know more than than the Marlins because clearly I do not. Um you know, they, they know these players better than, than any one of us. So, and, and no, and no, and in the end, Alex, none of us really know in the right. end, like, right. like I, I have had conversations where they, where everyone has been, uh, you know, let's use social media, social media, everyone has said the same thing and they, and social media has been right. And the Marlins have been wrong. Right. I've also seen a, a lot of scenarios where social media is dead wrong. Right. They were going crazy on a guy for a long and yeah. it turned out to be it, and and they have no voice. Right. They're just, you know, they just sit back and they're like, ah, whatever, you know, like this is it. Like <laughs> De La Cruz is a good example of that. Yeah. 
like that like last year like i was pretty much told hey don't ever think this guy is going to be a starter he could be a fourth outfielder in the big leagues that's the right. best case scenario here got a right. little hot hadn't been seen in a while you know and and, and you know what it turned out but we're, we're you know they they were right on that one and and maybe they'll be right as long as they're hitting on more right than wrong i don't i don't think that there's anything to talk about yeah. but again not to beat beat this to the ground here but process for me is sure. what i question that you know like like yeah. situations and how things happen yeah and i get it i mean i get it from the roster construction standpoint that you know you want to if you have a full 40 man you want to call up a guy that can help for a little while then dfa him and if you lose him it's okay and then if you don't it's whatever but this time of the season you have open spots on the 40 man and these older guys are getting called up and it's there's like what happened with nardi and you know, now bug and it's just like give these kids a chance, man. Like just see what they got. If they don't have anything, it's cool. But you know, if they do, then who knows, but that's kind of where I was at with it. It's just, um, it's just overall frustrating in terms of how they've constructed the roster for the last two seasons, I would say. So, um, well, last, last year, without a doubt. Yeah. Last year off the charts, bad. Yeah. This yeah. year, I don't, I don't, I personally don't feel it's at, like it was last year. Oh no, no, no. It's, I, I still I am not like, overall 100% an improvement of it, but it's, it's, no, a, it's, it's, it's obviously, but yeah. I, I think that you've seen a, a better, I personally think there's been a better process in place, whatever they're doing. I don't know this year as opposed to last year, but anyway, we could move on from this. Yeah. I know you gotta, uh, let's just go to, to the team front as a whole. That's the executive level. I think we covered it. I, we know Kim is staying in place. I, nothing's going to happen there. The people that question me and Craig all the time, is anything happening with Kim? No, Kim, Kim's going to be in charge next year. I think we're all there. Yeah, um, I I don't I don't know the answers to that. My guess is is changes will be made in the offseason, but what they are, I don't know at, yeah. at this point. They they've yeah. they've obviously at this point waving the white flag, that's not the term, but they've they've come to terms with the front office, with the coaching staff, with the manager. Very clearly, they are not from for I don't think from now until the end of the season firing anyone. Right. But I would expect that the second the season is over that there will be quite a bit of turnover. I don't know what exactly, but we, that, that will be something to cover for sure. Yeah. I think you can expect Denbo to be replaced, obviously um, stuff like that in terms of, especially in terms of hitting development, which is where they've really struggled. That needs to improve. I think we can all agree there, but in terms of the executive level, I, I mean, I think me and Craig are in agreement that like, you know, I think, I think Kim is going to get well, a longer leash than she has had this year because it's not, it's really not all her fault. I mean, and you can't say that anyways, we'll move on. Um, the next thing I want to talk about with you is, is Donnie. Um, Donnie is of course, as we know, the end of his contract this year, again, not all his fault this year. Um, I think he's had his successes and I think he's had his failures. I know you've talked to him a couple of times about it in terms of where he's at the rest of his career as, as a manager. And he said himself to you, I think verbatim that he doesn't want to be somewhere where he's not appreciated. So my question right. for you on Donnie is, do you think in terms of your conversations with him that he is underappreciated with the Marlins? Do I think that, do I think that the Marlins underappreciate him for what he's done? Or, well, not or... the Marlins underappreciating him, but just more so like fan base and, you know, just what he has to deal with day in and day out. He's doing his best. I mean, we understand that. I agree with some of his decisions. I disagree with some of them, but you know, he is who he is. He's an all-time manager and he's, he's in a new spot with the DH and everything. So, you know, I, I mean, just, just overall, where do you think he is in terms of his mindset 
in terms of being the manager of the Marlins. Do you think he's well, he was the manager of the year in 2020. The organization should have been the organization of the year in 2020 mm-hmm. for everything that they went through. Sure. And then had to get and then fielded, you know, these these crazy players that we never heard of to get to the postseason. And then they beat the Cubs. Yeah. So so that season was great, even though it was short. And and it's so it's so interesting that since then, Donnie, you know, the, the teams of the team has gone completely, completely the other way since then. So I would say the same thing that I've said is, is Donnie the best manager in major league baseball? No, he's not. But is he a guy that is respected? Is he a guy that's very much liked by everyone in the game? Of course he is. And so with that respect, I think that he's owed a proper send off at the end of the season. My guess is at the end of the year, he, he and the organization will part ways. I don't believe you'll ever hear the word fired. I don't think that that will come out of anybody's mouth. Mm-hmm. I think that Donnie will choose. I think Donnie will say it's just time. And, right. and that will be, and that will be the end of his time as manager here. That, that would be my guess. He has not told me that. I want to be very clear. He has not mm-hmm. told me that. Sure. But I feel like I know him. Okay. And in a way that I can read him a little bit and listen, sometimes I've been right about him and sometimes I've been wrong, but I, I just think that it's gotten to the point where if you remember last year, he said that we're going to turn the corner and we're not going to lose a hundred games and the team almost lost a hundred games. Right. And I, I just, I don't think he wants to go through this again next year. And if, and if Alex, if the Marlins lose, let's use just 90 as an example this year, let's say they lose 90. Mm-hmm. What's the upside next year? Really? Right. Is the up, is the upside losing 86, 85, 84, like you're probably not getting to the postseason even again next year, all things considered. So he's, I I think this is it. I think this is it. All right. I mean, the man has done great work here, as you mentioned in 2020, mostly. Uh, And I mean, I think he's done great stuff above that as well uh, in other seasons and this season included. I think he's, I think he's done a good job with what he's had, honestly. Um, Just overall, I I think I agree. I think it's probably his time. We'll see who replaces him. Not going to go there yet. We'll see in the offseason. Sure, Craig will be all over it. Uh, <laughs> Probably. But, but Craig, Craig, just to go to some player specific before we go, um, I want to get to a, a few guys with you, just, just player specific that have come up this year so far or have been here so far this year. Um, the first one I want to talk about is Burdick. Um, Burdick, I told you I was going to tell you this today, and I will say it on, on the show that you were quoted in May of last year and saying that Burdick will hit in the major leagues. Well, he's only been here for a little while. Hasn't happened just yet, but it's still very early for him. So has your opinion swayed on Peyton Burdick? Where, where are you at on Peyton? I love this guy. He's physical as hell. He's awesome. If he can get the barrel on the ball, it's going to fly. I've followed him all through his minor league career. He's very good if he can hit the ball. Can that happen in major league baseball against plus stuff? Yeah, it, it's still too early to say. I'm a huge fan of his. I've known him now for a number of years, and I'm definitely rooting for him to make it. Uh, I've seen enough of him in spring training and in the minor leagues to believe that he definitely has a chance. But you know, clearly the early results have not looked great. Now, mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple of schools of thought. One, which is very uh, bizarre that why don't the Marlins in five years have anybody that comes up and hits like immediately. They just, it's, it's fascinating to think about how almost every team in the big leagues have a guy that comes up that hits like right away. And the Marlins never do. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, I think Burdick will have to, you know, fight for a job on the, on the 26 man roster in the spring. I don't think the Marlins will go in next year thinking Peyton Burdick is the everyday outfielder in one spot. I think he's going to have to fight for a spot. 
could he still be a big league starter with the Marlins or another team? Absolutely. But he is now going through the learning curve of, of being in the big leagues. And he had a double the other day, the opposite field. That was really nice. As everyone sees, he's got a very open stance there. And it's it's going to be hard for him to connect outside a lot of times, Alex, and identifying those pitches, especially the off-speed stuff and the sliders. That that's they're gonna the sliders are a lot better up here than they are in AAA and in Double A. Right. So he's got his work cut out for him. I'm, I would not I'm not ruling him out in any way. I think he's got a great shot to crack the opening day roster next year. But I I would be lying right now if I said Alex pencil this guy in for center field, left field, right field next year. I just don't think that that's fair. He's gonna have to earn himself a job, and and if he does, and if the, things break right, maybe he earns himself into significant playing time next year too. But I see him as you know what you know what I kind of see him as I see him as like how Dela Cruz started this year where where Peyton is like the fourth outfielder on the team going into next year. Yeah, um, let's be very. I think I agree with you one hundred percent. Hasn't been good so far, but uh, he's really looked foolish, including today against Clavenger against some plus breaking stuff. But um, can he fill that? I think he can. Um, I he think can. he's done very he well. You know, so in in college. Um, who knows what happened here in the pros, but that's another conversation. The, 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 the thing that's going to be very hard that that we can we can say now, at least I've learned in watching. I'm going to be 50 next year. I've I've learned this. Donnie's mentioned this too, by the way. And if anybody knows, Donnie knows too. We've we Alex, we have two weeks left to evaluate these right. guys. Yeah. Once we know. get to September, yeah, forget it, yeah. forget it. Like like it it is that it is going to be at the point where they have. I think they have like nine or 10 games against teams that are not going to make the postseason. The last few games are going to be playing against the Braves who probably are going to be playing for nothing. If they don't win the division, they'll be the number one wild card. They're, they're just not going to see the same kind of intensity and the same kind of players that they're going to see next year. So September is Donnie, I think said September is a fool. Like do not get caught up in, right. in those numbers. Now I understand there's not 50 guys on the roster anymore and there's only 27 or 28 or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. but Burdick plays the Dodgers here and, and he'll play the Dodgers again. And yeah, let, let, let's take a look at these next couple of weeks, but time is running out on all of these guys, at least for me, from my evaluation for this year. Yeah. And then you gotta, you gotta question things like who's in the outfield next year. Avi's probably going to be impossible to trade. Solaire's probably in the same bucket as almost impossible to trade or get rid of. So, you know, these guys are going to have to fight, like you said. So I think we agree. Um, Blade probably in the same bucket. Blade is, probably been a little better in a longer sample than Burdick, a little better. He's at least hit some home runs. August has been a little better for him in terms of walks. Uh, at bats and his at bats yeah. are more fluid. He's taking yeah. more pitches. He's fouling more like the results are not necessarily there, mm-hmm. but we're not playing this, this, this fake Lewis Brinson game as to he hits the ball hard with Blade. Like this guy is taking balls that are outside the zone. Like, right. like I, so Barely outside the zone, but yeah. Yeah, I I, I mean, again, he's going to have to earn his way too. I don't yeah. think it's that much different than Burdick, but you would have to say through watching both to this point that you would think Blade at least has a better chance to be a starter next year. They could be in a platoon. I mean, Alex, yeah. that could be the deal. Blade, yeah. It could be a, a Blade burdick platoon in the outfield. Yeah, could definitely see it, especially if they get somebody in center. Um, who knows what they're going to do there. I think that's going to be a main thing in the offseason shortstop as well see what they do in terms of that shortstop in center field. They don't have short-term and minor in the minors verdicts done well there. So then you got Jesus Sanchez on top. There's just so many questions to answer in the offseason. It's going to be a, I'm sure credit's going to be all over. It's going to be an interesting offseason for Miami from the 
executive level to the managerial level to the player level. So it's going to be fun to see what they, what they do in the off season, but I'll get to a couple more Craig and then we're going to go. Um, my, my next one is going to be um, Trevor Rogers, uh, Trevor Rogers. I guess we can call it a sophomore slump, but to me, it's more than that. His changeup has disappeared. Uh, honestly, that beautiful changeup that was built up with Stottlemyre is almost gone. His location has really struggled. He's had to challenge a lot more inside of the strike zone. He's in AAA right now. Um, is this a bigger problem than just a sophomore slump for Trevor Rogers, in your opinion? I'm not, I'm not all that worried about him. I think that he's probably not as good as he was two years ago, and he's not as bad as he was this past year. The, the go-to when something like this happens is is you start looking for answers. Like, was there something different about preparation or where he was? Uh, listen, no indictment on him. My understanding was he spent most of his offseason in New Mexico this this offseason, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Maybe that has to change. Maybe he's got to be uh, in Florida and, and doing things here uh, or around earlier off. I don't know the answer to that, but probably somewhere in the middle, Alex, between two years ago and this past year. But clearly Mel Stottlemyre has done such a good job with so many pitchers that you would think that provided Mel is around next year, which is a question as well, oh. that that maybe <laughs> maybe that could improve. I hope so. I hope you're right. Um, it's been a struggle for him. I hope he can figure it out. He did get beat up in, in AAA in his last start, but we'll see with him. Uh, second to last one to get to with you, Khalil. Um, we talked about this, you know, on extent a couple months ago. Um, you had him going to AAA. You believed he would go to AAA. They instead sent him to the FCL. Um, he comes back up to single A, was doing okay. Now he's injured. Um, overall, your take on on Watson's positioning in the organization right now? Yeah, it's it's no different than anybody else. I, I know it sounds crazy, but player development can be viewed, Alex, in a number of different ways. And you know, Khalil Watson, if he did not get drafted by the Marlins, would have been drafted one pick later or two picks later or three picks later or five. I mean, there there's something missing in the player development with the Miami yeah. Marlins. It's very uh-huh. obvious at this point, whether it's hitting, whether it's uh, off the field stuff. I, I don't know, but they just got to get this figured out. And that's the end of it. Like, you get this kid to grow up and, and figure out what's going on with him and mentor him and make him better as a person and then as a player. So hopefully they're able to sort it out. But that's, again, that's something at the minor league level that the Marlins uh, this this year have not succeeded at. Will he grow up next year, become more of a professional, be a better guy? Yeah, I, I think that there's a good chance of that happening. But it, it's it's so amazing to me to think that it's like, like if J.J. Blade and, and Khalil Watson, it's like if 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 the Marlins didn't take Blade, he would have went the next pick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And if Watson didn't get picked there, he would have went a couple picks later too. It's like right. there's there's some there's something happening, there's something happening at, in the minor leagues that's not working for these guys yeah. in in a number of different ways. It's got to get fixed. Yeah, I mean something between DJ Svalik picking them and what they do after that. There's there's something going on, and and I mean hopefully that gets addressed this off season. I mean I think they've maybe started to address it. I mean not only Denbo 
with Denbo, but I, I think there's more dominoes to fall there as well as Craig said earlier. Right, like like Barry is is an exa- a different example. Like they had other options than Barry that they could have gone. Right. So that pick in particular, I think we can look back on and say, hey, maybe they should have taken someone else if right. Barry doesn't work out because they didn't have to take him there. Right. But when you're talking about Blade and Watson, yeah, I mean, I mean those those players were going to end up yeah, on other teams yeah. like yeah. immediately after Miami. So. Did Watson have some questions going in? Of course he did. But does that mean he was going to fall another 20 picks? No chance. He would have went. He would have been drafted. I think they, I think he would have went to the Cubs, if I'm not mistaken, if he didn't go to the Marlins. So there's what you just said, I think is accurate. There's something there. There's, there's something that's happening from the time that they're drafted to the point they get to the major leagues on the hitting side, because the pitching seems to work, but on the hitting side with the position players, uh, there's a, there's a disconnect in some way either that or yes all the players that they have drafted offensively just are not good i mean and and i i don't i don't believe that to be true and and me either i mean uh there's something going on that's that's got to be addressed internally and i'm sure we'll hear about it but man i mean you don't talk about a can't miss draft pick because i don't think there's any such a thing as a can't miss draft pick but when you talk about guys that fall to you like khalil fell in their lap and blade that fell to them it's it's just like you got to take those guys or you know, somebody else takes them and they become every publication had the pick of the draft, Miami Marlins, Khalil right. Watson. Exactly. It was like, so, oh my so, God. I mean, like, I don't get it. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, so they were all wrong. wrong. Yeah. Where was everybody wrong? I don't know. I don't Listen, uh, some of some of DJ's picks are not going to be good. He's going right. to he's going to swing and miss on a lot. It's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. And, and and listen, I guess it is possible that every single pick has not been good, but I, right. I tend to want to think that. If the player is about to get drafted by another team and, and, and these publications are all saying that they're good, I, I mean, some I, I don't know. I don't have the answer. Right. Hopefully one day I will. I don't think any of us do. But last one to get to before we get out of here on this show, I want to end it on a positive because I like to do that. I like to stay positive. I like to put the positive good. vibes out in the universe. Let's, so let's talk about there. Yuri. Uh, Yuri Perez um, ended on a positive. Like I said, I get this question constantly on social. I'm sure you do as well. We know he's good, but he's still on his innings limit. Um, 110 this year. He was on 80 last year. Um, I get this question constantly. Like I said, how soon is Yuri Perez? I think we expect him to be in spring training and throwing the baseball with the Marlins next year. But how soon is Yuri Perez in a Miami Marlins uniform taking the mound at Lone Depot Park? Is that possible in 2023? So when we were talking about this, I've changed my opinion a little bit. Okay. When we were talking about this in April and Mm -hmm. May, and June. And we looked at the Miami Marlins big league team. We saw a team that was about 500, right? Yes, sir. And we were starting to think, even if the Marlins only finished 500, maybe next year is truly the year. They make the huge jump. And and that made me think, wow, you know, Yuri Perez, if you're going for it, you may not need to get another pitcher. Put this guy in the rotation to start next year. Start that clock. And 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 go make the postseason. Mm-hmm. I think what we've seen is a little bit of a lot of injuries too, but a, but a little bit of fool's gold from the Marlins this season. As even with all healthy players, they still would have finished somewhere around or under 500. And my sense is we're playing the call him up game like we were with Max Meyer, where he starts off in AAA, makes a handful of starts, dominates, and then we just start yelling and screaming, and and he comes up before the summer. I, I definitely believe he'll be pitching in the big leagues next year. Opening day, don't I don't I think it's a little of a stretch, a little bit of a stretch. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. Well, man, that's that's all I have for for this tonight. I mean, we could go in a million other directions, but we're gonna leave it here for tonight. 
Uh, if you guys have any few further questions for me, for Craig Mish, who was a great guest today on the show from SportsGrid, contributor to the Miami Herald. Great, great guest, Craig. I appreciate everything that you do. I appreciate your friendship with me. We're talking of all the time. No doubt. I appreciate everything. Uh, and again, thanks so much for coming on. Um, so yeah, thanks again, man. I hope you enjoy the rest of your night. Say hi to the family. And that's going to be it for, for us tonight. Uh, again, thank you so much. Of course, Alex, thank you. And thanks for keeping me updated on all these minor league guys. Because without you, I don't know where I would be with this I, stuff. I do Figuring like out, that. I mean, Alex is texting me this and that. And like, I'm learning <laughs> from Alex. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll look into this. All right, I guess this is an issue. I'm like, all right. Well, you know, I'm not there every day, but I, I hear what I oh, hear. Oh, neither am I, apparently. <laughs> exactly. So that's going to be it for this episode, guys. That's uh, Swimming Upstream. Craig Mish, thank you so much again for your time. We'll see you guys next time on the show. Thanks so much.